Welcome to Next in Nonprofits. I'm Steve Boland, and I am very pleased to be joined today by Sona Kosla, the Chief Impact Officer at Benevity. Sona, thank you so much for taking the time today. Hey, thanks for having me, Steve. I was excited to reach out to uh, your organization to learn more about a brand new report you have just released and uh, so much content and so much interesting things to learn from that. But before I ask you to talk about the uh, State of Corporate Purpose report and your decisions to get involved with that, could you just introduce a little bit about Benevity for people that may not be as familiar with your mission? What is your work? Absolutely. So Benevity's mission, or as we call it, our moonshot, Mm -hmm. is to uh, act as a catalyst to infuse a culture of goodness into the world. So that's kind of our, our pithy statement. But what we really mean by that is we're trying to help companies help people become their best selves in their everyday lives by connecting them with a sense of purpose while also delivering both the business impact and social impact that uh, many people expect from business today. Um, so that's that's our mission. What we How we deliver on that is through a technology platform that allows um, corporations, nonprofits, and individuals to take action, do good, whether that's through giving, volunteering, uh, learning pro-social behavior, uh, infusing kind of purpose-driven experiences into, into customer uh, engagement initiatives. Um, so we've got kind of a holistic platform of solutions that companies can use to activate their people to do more good. When I think of Benevity, though, I do think of it primarily as a, a workplace connection tool into social good movements, nonprofits, whatnot. Is that a fair assumption? Or are there, when you say nonprofits are part of the work, is it not really necessarily just the workplace giving kind of as the lead? Uh, or, or how do you think about that part of it? Yeah, you know, we're definitely best known for our employee engagement solution, which is called Spark, uh, which allows companies to engage their people in in giving, volunteering, um, you know, running uh, campaigns and fundraisers uh, in support of nonprofits. Um, But actually, we've got a a fuller suite. We also uh, help companies grant to nonprofits. So we have a community investment solutions uh, that allow companies to scale their community investment. Um, And then we've also got a customer engagement solution, which allows uh, companies to embed giving um, through their customer experiences. So those are the less visible aspects of Benevity. We're less known for that. Um, I think we get much more known for the employee engagement side, A, because that's where we started back in 2008 when we were founded, but B, because that's how you know a number of people engage with Benevity on a day-to-day basis. We do also have... Um, uh, a nonprofit community council called the Benevity Nonprofit Community Council, who we engage with because when we build our, our solutions, we're really trying to take a, an ecosystem view. We recognize that there's a number of stakeholders and constituents that can make charitable giving more effective and more impactful. So we actually work with about 12 nonprofits to inform our solutions and the way we're thinking about things to make sure that we're making, you know, we're making sure that this is as efficient and effective for nonprofits as they receive, you know, whether it's volunteer rewards or donations through Benevity's platform. And I, I think for some nonprofit organizations out there, their first introduction to Benevity may be uh, somebody using that platform to make a gift. And then you, you get that contact from Benevity going, well, there's 
a check on the way, or if you would register with the platform, you can have that as an electronic uh, deposit. But uh, somebody has already decided to give to you, hello, we're Benevity, you know, <laughs> rather than, uh, you know, them coming to you saying, oh, gosh, we'd like to register with the platform in order to be more connected to all of those people to see about being uh, able to solicit gifts, volunteer time, all those other sorts of things. I think smaller charities may kind of run into it a little backwards where they suddenly get a donation from somebody who supports their work, who they recognize, but is using this tool because it is an easier way for them to either get an employer match or have a payroll deduction contribution to the charity or some other thing like that, that makes it like very attractive for them to go to Benevity to engage first, but then the charity may find out about, hey, this person decided to contribute because of you know, your work, but they're going through us to help facilitate that. Uh, do you find that uh, many charities, you know, kind of connect with you the first time that way through an employer or employee donation? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, it's one of the tricky parts of our business, because um, like you said, you know, you you get a letter or, or, or some kind of communication from Benevity that says, hey, we've got money for you, which is, sounds super fishy, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so um, the, the amount of searches on Benevity uh, that come from nonprofits going, is this legit? Is this for uh -huh. real? So I'm just here to say, yes, it's real. <laughs> you can trust us. We do typically that um, the way you described it, Steve, is exactly how it happens. There's someone who's passionate about your nonprofit or cause. Uh, they decide to give through their employee program or through, a, you know, a customer initiative and that company matches it. And then all of a sudden there's money sitting here waiting for you that we want to give to you. What ends up quickly happening, though, is nonprofits recognize that, hey, wait a minute, there's this other channel. Um, that I hadn't really thought of, you know, they're mostly focused on going direct to supporters. And um, that's an, that's an effective channel. But, um, you know, they, they quickly recognize that the opportunity to get automated matching funds is um, really good for their organization, and that Benevity acts as a bit of an aggregator, a platform for that. So then very quickly, we've got a number of no, uh, a small nonprofits saying, hey, how can I, you know, take advantage of this? How can I develop this channel a little bit more? And when you think about the, the stats around corporate giving and how that's changed, you know, back when we started in 2008, um, about 5% of the 300 billion in annual donations that were done online, um, you know, went, was from corporations. It was a tiny amount. Now it's climbed up to about 13% of 450 billion, um, which is good. But I think what we're seeing is that corporations are becoming the driver of some of the support for, um, for nonprofits and causes. And so they're, you know, their antenna are getting kind of peaked and they're, they're looking at us saying, Hey, how much more can we do here? So, um, we are seeing more small nonprofits come to us and recognize that corporate giving is an opportunity. Well, and that's a great segue to uh, you did making the decision to share a little bit more information about what you see from your position that the individual smaller nonprofit may not see from theirs. You know, I, I get X number of donations from people that use Benevity and uh, I, I published my profile on Benevity so people can learn more about me. But that's a a, a microcosm of a larger picture that that I think is really interesting that you decided to put some effort into learning about and sharing. So can you tell me about the decision to create the, this first uh, state of purpose report and uh, what went into that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think this is an idea that's been floating around here at Benavity for a while. Um, but uh, we 
really started to recognize the appetite for more data around the social impact space coming both from you know the people who run the corporate programs as well as nonprofits so we decided you know we share a lot of our data we've got annual conferences we've got emails and whatnot but um, there's so much data that we, that we've got and we've got such unique insight into what's happening because we work with some of the most prodigious you know corporate giving um, uh, partners in the world that uh, we thought you know what if we can share this with the world and help people understand how the space is evolving what the trends are what data we're seeing you know we would like to see more of this happen um, and you know we, we see business as really the force for um, great social impact. You know, uh, oftentimes you hear that business is the most trusted institution. Uh, you know, trust in media and government has obviously, you know, fallen off a cliff over the last number of years. And so as corporations become kind of that, um, that catalyst for goodness, uh, you know, more broadly, we felt uh, that there was an opportunity to share some of what we're seeing. So that was really the impetus um, what really kind of made it happen was we launched Benevity Impact Labs in, in February. And uh, I moved into my new role as Chief Impact Officer with a focus on bringing the research data, insights, and best practices uh, to, the, to the space to be able to help you know, companies, nonprofits, and individuals execute on purpose in more intentional ways. So that was um, that was kind of what then developed some urgency around getting this out. And then I guess, you know, last year was a pandemic, giving completely changed. And so there were just, there's such an appetite for people to understand what is happening in that world. And it's growing. The number of people who are getting involved in social justice movements and supporting nonprofits as a way of taking action on the inequity that they see in society. So um, just felt that there might be broader interest in this as well. Yeah. So ahead of recording, we had talked just a little bit about the fact that I um, used to volunteer for the uh, Minnesota Freedom Fund, which was one of many charities that received a uh, huge increase in donations after the murder of George Floyd here in Minnesota, where I'm based. Um, it really did change individual philanthropy, um, you know, st ongoing still uh, to this point. Uh, but certainly in 2020, um, you've got some startling statistics in your report around the increasing growth over more um, social justice or civil rights oriented causes as opposed to other types of charities. Um, that that moment of people needing to be engaged in some kind of positive solution, needing to find a way to connect with other people, especially since, you know, again, many of us by that point had started having to work from home and not seeing colleagues and all that kind of stuff, uh, I think is a real watershed to take a look at. And you've got some uh, like I said, pretty remarkable information here of what you saw during that time of people needing to connect and how they were choosing to uh, have a, a collaborative impact with others. Um, how do you um, begin talking to people about that when it could have been the entire report just on that thing, let alone all the other information that's in there? Yeah, you know, we really had to kind of sift through the data, but I mean, there were just some remarkable trends that emerged very quickly. Um, so, you know, as we looked at uh, the top 10 causes, typically those are, are fairly stable over the years. Um, I joined Benevity six years ago, and I'd say for the first three to four years, they were stable. It was your, you know, your your cancer charities and, you know, St. Jude's. Um, you'd see the, the standards show up, but, you know, as 
as giving became a way for people to have a sense of impact in a, in a world that felt like maybe it was, you know, veering away from their values. And this was a way of expressing their values. We started to see the, the, the top causes change. So, you know, what's, what's interesting is uh, the number of causes that sat in the top 10 that were uh, around racial justice and equity for last year was, was really kind of mind boggling. Um, and and how much of the you know 51% of all donations went to racial justice and equity causes. That's incredible. Um, unfortunately, we're not seeing that sustained, which I think is is the problem of reactive giving. Um, you know, we in the in the months following the murder of George Floyd, we saw you know up to 58% of donation volume going to causes that support social justice and racial equity. By the time December came around, that had dwindled to five percent which is pre, um, you know, Black Lives Matter movement uh, giving levels. Wow. So that's that's concerning. And that's data that I think everyone should know because it, it shows how quickly we do return to normal in possibly the worst of ways. You know, we had a, like you called it, a watershed moment where we were we had an awakening of, of the issues. Now the question becomes, how do we sustain that when it's no longer in the news every day? Well, and that's a really interesting question about why I wanted to ask for some of your time to have this conversation was um, when I was volunteering with the Minnesota Freedom Fund on their board, uh, getting this huge amount of cash was a little staggering for smaller organizations. Um, uh, and, and there were many smaller organizations based in Minneapolis that um, were sort of at the right place to re- be a logical place to donate money. But I don't know that that all of the donors thought, well, are they prepared to actually execute and spend all of that on something? That question, I don't know, was, was really asked as much. And we weren't really in a position to talk back to those donors about here's what we needed your donations for, here's how we've used it now, here's the next things and how that's going. I don't know that they got the follow-up from our cause that they could have. Um, and Benevity does allow you to register as a charity to try to see were those uh, people that made that donation um, looking to connect a little bit more. Because of course, they could choose to remain anonymous if they prefer, and and then here's your, your financial gift, and that's fine. But in my experience, many of those employees were providing more information about them that allowed us as a charity to say, hey, thank you. This, this is really helpful. And here's the next thing. And, and I'm, I think some smaller groups weren't ready to take advantage of that next thing. And I'm not sure the, the effectiveness of some of the larger groups, but it's a really important learning moment through your channel to say, these people came together to look towards that impact question. How are you, charity partner, going to help sustain that interest and that connection with them? Because if you're not providing new information and um, and a path forward for them, it is fairly easy to kind of fall back and go, well, I, I made that really big contribution last summer when I saw lots of things in the news. And now I'm, I am hearing back from the cancer charities again, like I used to. And you know, I haven't maybe heard as much from this other new charity. So uh, maybe I just go back to what I'm used to supporting. I, 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 do, I don't know that your data points directly to that, but it's a, a question that, that is raised for me. Is that part of your conversation about where are the charities at in, in carrying that on? 
I think that's a great point, Steve. And I think, um, so definitely what we see is the, the more savvy charities, and this is regardless of size, is that they log into the Benevity Causes portal and download those reports to see who has given their information, um, you know, so that they can nurture those relationships and have that ongoing conversation. The interest, you know, last year is a lot of people were giving to new causes um, that they had identified or learned from, from their social networks or through, you know, um, through their organizations. Mm -hmm. And so they may not have a deep relationship uh, with that cause. So there absolutely is an opportunity for the cause to, you know, grab that information from the Benevity Causes Portal and, and utilize it to continue to um, nurture that relationship. I think the other piece that's interesting about the data that we can provide through the Benevity Causes Portal is you can actually also look to see which organizations these people work for and how much um, funding is coming from them. So it's a great opportunity for small organizations to say, you know, hey, um, Microsoft or hey, Apple, you know, we've seen that actually a, a number of your people are donating to our cause through your company and start to have a conversation around whether there's opportunities to partner a little bit more deeply. Um, so I think I think that element is also there. So there, that data can be actionable for those um, organizations that are looking to uh, cultivate and, and deepen their impact in their communities. But I think you're right to point out that, you know, the very reason people engage in this behavior is to have a sense of impact. And so it is incumbent upon uh, the nonprofit to loop back and say, and here's what it did. I mean, I know I get those letters in the mail and I, I open every one of them. And typically what it does is it prompts me not to cancel my recurring donation right. <laughs> because I, I have a sense of ongoing impact. Um, but also it makes me aware. Like I, I just learn a lot about the issues at, at, a, at a deeper level, which I appreciate. And, and that's where the nonprofit's expertise is, is so important. Like I, I get that most nonprofits don't have savvy marketers, but you know your issues so well and so deeply, that's the stuff that actually moves people. So that storytelling component and kind of that, you know, coming back and sharing is, is really important. Yeah. And I think that it's important to uh, recognize that there are going to be a number of charities out there, as I suggest, well, gosh, you, you really need to uh, claim that profile and evity and fill it out and be ready to communicate and these things. And, and automatically I hear their, their collective cries in the wilderness going, no, not another portal. No, I can't fill out one more profile in another space. Um, I think that there's a challenge there of, of um, people feeling like, uh, how do I prioritize where I do these things? And I think that the real opportunity with Benevity, and, and there was some notes about this in your report of um, connecting not only for people's uh, financial contributions, but but their ability to uh, volunteer or otherwise connect to the cause to support some of that work. And I think that uh, that dropped down during the pandemic as people didn't go on site as much to do volunteering and much volunteering in the nonprofit sector has traditionally been you know, packing food or, or whatever kinds of in-person things. Uh, so there's a real reduction shown in 2020 as people were just not circulating. But I do think that there's an opportunity here for uh, the charity to say, well, what other types of volunteers are we asking for? And how are we connecting to people that might be good 
stewards of helping us to use these platforms to communicate to people that are like them in their workspaces. As you point out, if you see that you get a whole bunch of donations from Microsoft employees, one of them could be a great volunteer to help you go, how do we communicate most effectively to your folks? What do you think people are interested in learning about us? And ask them to help you be that skilled volunteer behind the scenes on doing that translation. It, it can expand your capacity a little bit, but you know, volunteering is one of the other things that Benevity helps connect people to, right? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I want to pick up on a thread that you mentioned at the very beginning um, of your statement, Steve, around, you know, so many portals, so little time. Yeah. <laughs> um, because actually that was part of Benevity's social mission when we started. What we what we saw was that um, in the corporate giving space, it was almost like a, a, a charity had to sign up for every single company to receive funds. Uh, yeah. And we were just like, why? What a waste of time for a nonprofit that's got you know bigger and more important things to do. Which is why we actually took an aggregated model. We said we're gonna we're gonna create one portal. You fill it out once, and you get access to all 650 companies that use Benevity. So that is the scale and the network effect that we were really looking for to drive that efficiency. And so when you qualify for Benevity and you qualify for something we've got called self-certification, you're now qualifying for 650 companies. You don't, and when you requalify every year. Um, you you have ongoing access. So that's the the beauty of kind of the way we tried to set it up, recognizing that, you know, too many portals was part of the problem. But um, coming back to your real question about volunteering, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it dropped 20% uh, last year, volunteer hours uh, logged in our platform. Um, and so that was, you know, obviously a, a challenge of IRL or in real life um, last year. What was really cool, though, to see was that um, there were a number of companies who spun up virtual volunteering opportunities. And so working with their nonprofit partners to pivot and figure out how they could continue to support them in that digital context. I think that's going to be an ongoing thing that um, nonprofits are going to have to really build into their um, programming and planning for the next, you know, for the for the foreseeable future. Um, but you're right, they, they have an opportunity to tap into those skills-based volunteers who can actually increase the capacity of their organizations. And we see a massive appetite for skills-based volunteering from our corporate partners. Like they can't get enough opportunities. So, you know, whether you're a consulting firm and, and you know, you want to offer pro bono consulting hours or you're a technology team and you want to help, you know, build apps or websites or, you know, what, what it might be for a nonprofit, there is a massive appetite for that. And so um, we do have in the platform the ability for you know if you're having a a conversation around volunteering with a with a corporate you can actually uh, build a volunteering opportunity use something that's called a share key and then now that company can promote it through Benevity to all of their employees so and target them based on their skills um, so yeah absolutely corporations are a phenomenal um, way to tap into skills and what we're seeing too is that companies are investing more in this type of programming because they're seeing business and social impact through it. So one of our clients did a really cool study a number of years ago where they looked at the people who are um, in their in their volunteering program. And first they noticed that people who volunteer with nonprofits through the, through the corporate program um, tend to stay longer with the company. And then they found that they actually um, tend to get promote, promoted more. 
And then when they actually looked at the, um, the makeup of the people who were volunteering, there were actually more women and more people of color in those cohorts. So what they found was that their volunteering programs were actually a lever for diversity, um, for diverse leadership talent in their organizations. So there's this incredible, you know, triple win. The employee has a sense of efficacy. They're lending their skills to a nonprofit. The profit is gaining the benefit of those skills and able to execute on their social mission. And then the corporation is actually developing a pipeline of leadership talent. Um, who, you know, those, those individual volunteers are also developing the skills or contributing the skills that also are required for leadership. So it's just this incredible triple win uh, that we see and a, a great opportunity for nonprofits to cultivate that partnership with, with corporations. So I do think there's a little bit of a, how you uh, surface yourself as a, a, a smaller or mid-sized nonprofit against some of those large ones. If it feels like there's a fair number of large employers that are involved. There's a fair number of large charities. You know, how, how does that uh, smaller, more local uh, community organization feel like they can connect through this opportunity to uh, people that may be, you know, right in their hometown, or it may be that they're just a very specialized type of work where, you know, they, they don't necessarily um, have opportunities for everybody, but, but those people that love them, love them, and they really want to be engaged. Uh, so as people think about using that platform to give and engage in community, um, how, how do they do searches or recommendations for partners? Or wh what does it look like from the employee side when they're thinking about making a contribution to discover new opportunities? Yeah, so, you know, uh, uh, what we're finding is that a lot of companies are using Benevity as almost a, a purpose and passion portal in their organization. So allowing their employees to log in and search amongst, uh, you know, almost 2 million nonprofits that they want to support either through giving, you know, money, time, skills. They can also build out their profiles so that, you know, they, they actually mention, here's what my skills are, here's what my mm -hmm. interests are. And then um, corporations can actually target the content within, um, within the platform to people with those skills. We also have an integration with Volunteer Match. Uh, who brings you know millions of, of volunteer opportunities into our platform um, and surfaces those based on those same criteria. Um, so you know employees can search uh, and find them, but also a lot of employees volunteer on their own time but don't realize that their companies actually reward them for it. I think that's mm, right. the other interesting opportunity here because you know a, a number of nonprofits, Yes, they need the skills and the volunteers, but they they do also need the funds. And so what, one of the things that we really try to encourage um, corporations, but also nonprofits to do is to remind people who either volunteer with their organization or donate and say, um, hey, you can do this through your, your company. And actually, we can probably, like, if you donate through your company, instead of just giving me, you know, money directly on my website, I can actually get the matching funds from your company in real time yeah. in a single check. Um, but then also you can, you know, a number of companies reward their, their employees with hourly volunteer rewards. So, you know, $25 an hour. And so, you know, or however much, sometimes it's 50, you know, you can go in and log those volunteer hours, including for organizations like PTAs and sports clubs. Um, many, many companies allow a volunteer tracking for that and reward for that. So a lot of those parents who are out there engaged in their, in their children's activities or schools can be logging that through their employers and then earning those volunteer rewards, or sometimes their grants as well. Like they'll, you know, if you hit a certain number of volunteer hours, 
um, you know, you can earn a grant that's say $1,000 that goes to that organization, or the employee can choose to direct those funds to a different organization. So here I volunteer with my PTA, but actually the money I earn, I'm going to give to a, a shelter in nearby. So there's, um, there's definitely those opportunities. I think the other thing, though, you know, coming back to the point you made about smaller nonprofits, maybe not being able to um, go after kind of big corporate partnerships because, you know, they've also got partnerships, large nonprofits. Right. You know, how, do you, how do you compete? <laughs> and I think, you know, the power, the power of the smaller nonprofits, and you, you, you said this, is, is that passion that those supporters have for that cause and the belief and commitment that they have. So what we recommend to those smaller nonprofits is, you know, go find out who those, you know, you know who those passionate supporters are, find out where they work, find out if those companies actually have programs and then use them as, as, you know, kind of a, a Trojan horse into the company to catalyze movements within that company or opportunities. A number of our clients uh, allow their employees to post volunteer opportunities, giving opportunities because they're, you know, they really want their people to be able to express their passions and purpose of work and engage their colleagues in that. So it's a great opportunity for nonprofits to go to their supporters and say, and if you have this at work, you know, present the opportunity to your colleagues. And then now they're getting more people involved and exposed. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a really powerful way, you know, just that grassroots um, approach. Yeah. Well, one of the findings that you're talking about in the report was, um, uh, you, you phrased it, I think, as content was queen, um, that there's a content streams uh, um, tool here uh, that if that nonprofit is able to provide more specific information to really help people understand that cause, that impact that they're having and whatnot, that there's ways that that um, Benevity can help use that content to engage people you know, through their workplace giving tools, through their workplace engagement stuff. Um, I, I haven't actually been engaged in the content streams piece of that yet. How, do, how does that tool work or how does that uh, happen for the organization? Yeah, so um, when as an employee, when you log into Spark um, or your company's program, it's usually branded the company's name. Sure. Um, so, for example, at Benevity, our program's called My Goodness. So when I, I log into My Goodness. <laughs> Sorry, I love the name. Just that was fun. <laughs> yeah, we um, so I log into my goodness and I can search for a cause, but there's also, um, you know, a, a merchandising, right? Like it's showing me what opportunities my colleagues have posted, what opportunities my company might be posting and doing maybe double matching for. And then there's something called content streams, which has two components to it. It's got a trending now section. So um, that's our, our actually our Benevity product team curates content um, based on things that are happening, either, you know, awareness days or, or news moments, um, you know, that allow people to discover causes that are working on a certain cause area. So, for example, if there was, you know, a, a typhoon in the Philippines and there are organizations who are mobilizing, we feature that so that people can be a part of that relief effort. Um, a lot of times people don't know who to give to. That's actually yeah. what we find is almost the number one barrier. So it was that idea of providing a discovery opportunity. The other part of, of content streams is called popular causes. And so a lot of times people, again, don't know the specific a nonprofit they want to support, but they know the cause. And so we surface um, those popular causes um, so that people can discover them. And then to your point, the more information a cause provides in their in their profile around their specific programming and impact, the more we can pull that through and tell that story through those 
um, through those uh, spots through content streams. Um, one other thing I want to ask you about from the report, and then I may want to jump off to a couple of other topics too, but uh, you you went through and used the term that the Benevity version is called my goodness, and I just love that, and I'm going to try to find ways to steal that some other way, but um, you've got the goodness curve uh, also in the uh, State of Corporate Purpose report uh, that kind of helps, I would have called it more of an engagement ladder, but it talks about people moving forward um, through something over time to become more and more involved in something. And it's not just, you know, I gave another five bucks this month different from last month, but it, it's a very different way of thinking about engagement um, over time and uh, how the the corporate purpose piece fits into that cultural work. And I, I, I was just interested to see you highlight that and talk about it in the report. How do you see that playing both this year and maybe in coming work that Benevity is supporting? Yeah, and it is actually exactly what you described it as, Steve. It is an engagement ladder. Um, and what we find is um, the things that actually prompt people to give are things that might people find might surprise might be surprising. So, for example, a disaster is typically when people are moved to give. Um, and that's oftentimes uh, the first time people will give to a cause. Um, the other way people get engaged is um, my colleague posts an opportunity and because I care about my colleague and I want to demonstrate my care and compassion for them, I'm moved to give. Um, and, you know, they often say that the, the number one reason people don't give is because they're not asked. Um, right. And so, right. So when my peer kind of says, like, you know, for example, we have a gal on our team whose mother has MS and every year she does a run for MS. And because I care about her, I care about her mother and that cause. And so every year I give to that. Um, and in fact, for me, like my biggest passion is giving to the causes that, you know, our people care about. So that's the other um the other, you know, huge stat, something like over 30% of people give first to a, a peer's giving opportunity. So the power of that peer giving is, is really powerful. And then, yeah, they climb the ladder. But the way we think about it is the more you empower people to co-create these opportunities to do good, um, the more it's not just foisted from, you know, the, the CEO or the top down on people, which is kind of traditionally how corporate giving has been, right? Every year there's an annual campaign and, and you all rally for that one charity that the corporation, you know, supports and stands for. And yeah, you can hit a fundraising number, but it's not necessarily an engaging exercise. In fact, I would argue it's disengaging because you're kind of feeling forced into it. It's not coming from an intrinsic motivation. Um, but where you actually empower your people to share their passion and purpose, and then other people naturally become involved, there's a greater sense of engagement then with the company, with your colleagues, and with that cause, and that greater sense of efficacy. So we really think about it as an engagement curve and people increasing their engagement with the cause, with the company, and with their own purpose and passion. Well, and that was also a nice segue to that outside of the report question that I wanted to talk about, which is, you know, what 
engagement in workplaces as a tool um, has really changed fairly substantially. And, you know, you talk about creating Benevity as a response to too many individual portals that are scattered and not really helping nearly anybody, really. But I think that it's interesting to see others that want to try and be in that engagement space and what they're doing, you know, notably here, um, Salesforce and their philanthropy cloud, trying to partner through the United Way, which used to do that kind of workplace giving um, campaign thing that you were talking about with, you know, slightly different tools and whatnot. Um, but it's just such a different space in the world now from, you know, when United Way was what it was, uh, you know, in, in prior times. And how do you see yourself in this ecosystem of there's other players that also want to try to connect people uh, together through these things, but they, you know, they make different choices than, than what you're making. And how does that shake out for companies that choose to work with you? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, you know, the, the space is evolving and it's evolving very quickly. And the thing that I think really differentiated Benevity right from the beginning was that we started from the idea of democratizing it and, and empowerment. Um, and so we weren't, there were a number of other providers in the space before Benevity that automated uh, corporate giving, but they didn't shift the mindset. They, mm. they, they, they didn't really think about it as a democratizing tool. They, they thought it more as an automation tool. And so I think that's where, you know, the, the same, you know, the same outcomes get perpetuated if you're just automating, it's just more efficient. <laughs> that was never Benevity's goal. Benevity's goal was to actually increase the engagement and impact um, to all of the, the, to the entire ecosystem. And so we came at it from a bottoms up approach. Our founder, Brian DeLottenville at the time could see that, you know, the, the level of personalization that was coming into, um, you know, the retail space, for example, you could customize your Nikes at that time, right? Like you oh, could, yeah. um, and, and the idea of the power of, you know, the rise of the individual was uh, another kind of growing movement. And so we could see that actually these movements were likely to be individually led, not corporate led. And last year, I think that's exactly what we saw. Like it was, it was the power of individuals, um, passions that started global movements last year oh. and companies were responding to the global movements. They weren't leading them. And so one of the things we talk about in the corporate purpose report is that companies, they are an amplifying effect, but they are not leading the movements. They're supporting the passions and purpose of their people in these global movements. Well, certainly there's that question of timing things when um, th there's a precipitating incident. So if we go back to the murder of George Floyd, the ability of an individual to just you know, witness that in, in kind of horror and go, I, I need to do something. I, I need to be engaged somehow um, as a part of a solution in this moment. What can I do? And giving, of course, was a fairly easy, fairly quick thing for an individual to decide. So they go to their um, their workplace instance of Benevity, whatever there was is branded as, and they make a donation to somebody that they can find. Or um, in the case, I think of a lot of giving that happened over the summer, um, somebody is tweeting out or posting on Facebook or whatever, hey, I just gave to this cause or that cause, because you know maybe they're the ones that can really help make a difference. And somebody very quickly makes a decision to join in and jump in on that campaign. I, I think that it was interesting to me how fast 
some of those larger companies did recognize how quickly their employees had moved and stepped in to say, you know, we'll do a matching gift. I, I, I saw those several Benevity players um, do that with the charity that I was involved with at the time. Um, again, much quicker than I would have expected them to go not as quickly as an individual can go. So I do think that your your insight about the individuals at that company showed real momentum towards some ideas and fairly fast, I think anyway, in terms of response, did many larger um, corporations say, yeah, we're, we're in too with all those employees that are engaged in this thing. Uh, but it, that seemed to me be kind of a a moment of time thing rather than a, we're going to plan for next year, what we're doing. And I don't know that that do, do employees lead for planning next year or do they lead when it is that moment of crisis kind of giving? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, and, and with the action we saw from uh, companies and the speed at which they could respond was phenomenal. And yeah. that's partially because they've got enabling technology that makes it easy to, you know, turn on matching campaigns, do special matches, um, so I, I would say the power of technology to accelerate the momentum of those movements was, was really incredible. But to your point, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think as individuals, we respond to crisis. But what we're seeing is as employees discover the fact that they can bring their passion and purpose to work and it can get amplified through their workplace as a community is actually creating its own movement and its own um, momentum. So we recently launched a feature called peer matching. And what that allows um, people to do is to start a giving opportunity and to um, put their own personal funds as matching. And so whether or not your corporation matches, you've got an individual who's matching. If your corporation does match, then you're going to get a double match. Um, and what it allows them to do is to share their passions and put their money behind it and engage their colleagues. Mm -hmm. What we found throughout the year was that it didn't take a crisis. It usually took a moment for someone to say, you know, it's usually a personal moment. We had a, a colleague who um, had been a survivor of domestic violence. And, you know, during the COVID crisis at, at one point really had a moment and reflected on that and how much it had impacted her. And with the growing domestic violence, you know, brought on by the pandemic felt, you know, I wanna do something. And so she put a peer match and promoted it to the company. And, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, necessarily uh, a, a trigger event at scale. It was a moment of reflection for her and a moment of personal meaning that gathered quite a bit of momentum and with vulnerability, she shared it. And then, you know, you talk to her and they, they talk about the connection that came from that to the team, to the cause, what they were able to do for the cause. It's, it's powerful stuff. So I, I think as people start to do more of this and see what's possible, I, I, I think they'll see that actually it doesn't have to be prompted by crisis. It can be prompted by passion. And I think that passion kind of building towards that and again, that kind of goodness curve, the engagement ladder, whatever we want to call it, um, lets us think a little bit more long-term too, that it, we're um, getting those first people through a peer-supported campaign. And I think that's a tremendous tool to introduce people to things, but recognizing that that's, you know, not the getting the first donation is not the end of the conversation with that donor. It's not the goal to say, we got a donation from a person, um, but rather, are you really committed to this? And I think it's okay in, in peer giving to acknowledge, sometimes they're more committed to their colleague than they are to the colleague's cause. And like, this matters to you, I'm giving because I like you as a person, that's fine. 
that's good. You know, we, we, we can acknowledge that that's, that that isn't going to be a lifelong giving relationship with that charity because it mattered to their colleague. Um, but I think it's great that there's ways for people to go beyond that, that one gift or that first gift, if there's an opportunity for them to learn more about it. Um, we are running very low on time and I, uh, apologize for not flagging you on that earlier. I just having such a great time talking to you. I lost track of it a little. Um, so as we're getting ready to wrap up in the next couple of minutes here, uh, how do you see, uh, the impact labs work moving forward? Uh, you know, this, this report was new this year. Um, do you anticipate doing something very similar again in the future? Or you think you might do different types of, uh, data gathering and sharing or, or what do you think is next? Yeah, you know, we actually have a number of impact labs reports that we published before we were a, an official thing. <laughs> and so um, we do some, you know, that are kind of um, evergreen. So, for example, we studied the relationship between uh, employee retention and engagement and giving and volunteering programs. Um, and we published that about uh, a number of years ago. We also did a report on political giving. Um, so, you know, we we tend to um, pick up on kind of trending topics, but we also have actually a lot of data on just what, what drives more authentic giving and engagement um, and um, action on these issues, both from corporations and individuals in support of nonprofits. So we've got a few um, reports that are in our back pocket that we're looking to release uh, over the next uh, 12 months. And I think as we watch this next 12 months unfold, we'll see if we end up doing a second annual state of corporate purpose report or if it ends up being something different. We're kind of uh, in labs mode. So not, not tying to anything, but just kind of really trying to be impactful with what we do and helpful. That's outstanding. So I um, got notice about your report because I had been signed up as a, a representative of a couple of different charities through the Benevity platform. So I saw that notice. Um, is that the best way for people to stay in touch is, you know, if you're, you're with a charity, you just make sure you've got your charity registered and, and they know how to reach you, or is there just a more general newsletter sign up or some other way to stay uh, close to what the next thing might be? Yeah, I think, you know, registering and making sure that your emails are up to date and all your contacts are up to date in the Benevity Causes portal is, is the best way. Um, but you can also follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and we uh, announce every time we've got new reports and data uh, and other other opportunities as well. So uh, social media is a good place to find uh, what we're up to. Outstanding. Again, I'm very grateful for your time today. This is really helpful to me, and I hope a lot of other people to think about um, all you've put together in that report. There is a link in the show notes to download a copy yourself and uh, give a good read. It is um, fairly substantial, so a, a lot of it's very um, graphic-friendly to represent some of the specific ideas, but uh, there, there's a lot there, so I encourage you to go get your own copy. Uh, Sona Kosla is the Chief Impact Officer at Benevity. Sona, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Steve. It was fabulous. And thanks for reading the 59 page report. <laughs> <laughs>